these Dolores and Ray Butcher and their three daughters earned a trip to Disneyland by collecting S&H green stamps. It was a dream come true. Today, nearly everyone has a wallet or keychain full of loyalty rewards cards that they use for discounts, gifts, and even free dinners at their favorite restaurants. For years, an international company has been offering a universal loyalty rewards card in Europe. Now they are looking for independent representatives to launch this card in the U.S. and Canada. We call it the Blue Card, one card to replace dozens. The Blue Card offers discounts, cash back, it even accumulates points to shop at participating merchants and an online mall. It's free to get the card and free to become a representative. You could help launch the Blue Card in your area and get paid wherever it's used. Imagine, you could get paid every time someone fills their gas tank, buys groceries, orders an online air ticket, or purchases just about anything. To get your free Blue Card, call Boston conservative in the cradle of liberty. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. Good afternoon. Chuck Moore speaks Monday through Friday, 10 to noon Eastern Standard Time here at the USA Radio Networks. You're welcome to join the program, 844-439-1391. 844-439-1391. My guest this segment is Alan Confino. He's a professor at the Department of History at the University of Virginia and at Ben-Gurion University in Israel. He's a leading scholar of German memory and national culture. He's the author of three previous books. The books I, book I have here is A World Without Jews, The Nazi Imagination from Persecution to Genocide. Elon, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Elon, are you there? Well, speak up when you might. I mean, I have him on the line. Okay. Hello? Then uh, we'll we'll be reaching him. Yeah, thank you very much. Elon, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Um, Can you hear me? All right, we're having a couple of technical problems. That may be due to the fact that we have the biggest blizzard coming into Boston since... um, the blizzard of 78. Um, so, uh, okay, Elon, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Thank you. Thanks for All having right, me. All right, we're still. My pleasure. Um, your book, A World Without Jews, I, I, first of all, um, the, one of the things that, that captured my imagination is that this was also the renamed title of a pamphlet that had been written by Karl Marx, in 1836, call, which he originally called On the Jewish Question, that was renamed A World Without Jews, and it was very popular amongst Marxists and leftists in the late 19th century. In fact, it was viewed as a canon of the left right up until World War II. Um, so I guess my first question relates to that. How influential was Marx's anti-Semitism and the, the brand of anti-Semitism on Nazi anti-Semitism and on Germans in general? You know, I don't think that Marx had a lot of influence on the Nazis. First, because they, of course, didn't like Marx and Marxism. These were the eternal enemies, almost as bad as the Jews. So they, they didn't like to um, 
to, to think of themselves as having anything to do with uh, Marxism or Marx intellectual uh, heritage. Um, and they, mm-hmm. they, they took their own anti-Semitism more from um, racial ideas, uh, Christian ideas. There is one element in which they, we can relate Nazism and Marxism and this, that the Nazis thought of the Jews as uh, the harbingers of, uh, of capitalism, of greed. And right. this is, of course, right. something that we can, we can trace back to Marx, but, but then not only to, to Marx, of course. Right, of course. And I think that certainly the Nazis added the element of race into the mix. But nevertheless, Marx's anti-Semitism, as it was portrayed in On the Jewish Question, I think was completely embraced by the Nazi movement. In fact, Hitler in Mein Kampf says in the, that his, in his formative years as a uh, kind of a, a beatnik living in, in Vienna, his first political influence was Marxism and that he immersed himself into Marxist theory for a full year, and that that was his basic training. But uh, while the race aspect was there, if you take a look at Marx's text on the Jewish question, he talks about a world in which Judaism is made impossible because the Jews, according to Marx, represented certain natural human characteristics that Marx wanted to eliminate mm-hmm. in order to create a collective. And those were things like self-interest, what he called huckstering, which is a word for free trade of goods and services, belief in God, which Marx said the Jews worship money as their God, and also his accusations, which he made in essays written and published in the United States at the time, that the Jews were behind international banking and that they were manipulating people. They were part of the overall Marxist theory of the Marxist central Marxist conspiracy theory which is that everything is created by people who want to exploit others. Mm-hmm. And that uh, Marx clearly saw the Jews as the, as the font of that, and that in order to move the world toward his vision of a one-world ant colony, Judaism would have to be eliminated or, as he said, quote, made impossible. So mm-hmm. I think that that was the, the foundation stone, if you will, not only of Nazi anti-Semitism, but also of your average German resentment toward Jews, because they viewed mm-hmm. Jews as successful, and Marx demonized, as did Hitler, demonize individual success. I think it's important to distinguish here between a few things. One is that Marx's ideas uh, from the second half of the 19th century on became a common currency in society, much like Freud's ideas uh, and, mm-hmm. and other influential uh, thinkers. We can think about it in relation to ourselves now with respect to Freud's ideas. We all use the terms repression, the self, the subconscious. It doesn't mean that we all have read uh, Freud and we know exactly what Freud said, but these ideas are now so common, there's so much part of the culture currency that they are, they, are, they are part of us, even though we may not even know who Marx was or what, uh, what exactly his philosophy was. This is one thing. The second thing is the way that we want to establish our intellectual, um, our intellectual origins. And here, certainly, the Nazis may have been... Certainly, they were, they were influenced by Marx, just like they were influenced by Freud. They disliked both of them. 
but they certainly on the right. level of ideology of the regime would not have wanted to trace back their thoughts there. But you are right that Marx's ideas were sure. around. Now, some of the ideas of Marx and some of the ideas of anti-Semitism in general are also common currency. The fact that the Jews are greedy, the fact that the Jews uh, have an international conspiracy. These ideas have been uh, have been influential before oh, Marx. Oh, yeah, they've been around. Marx. What? Oh, they were around since time immemorial, quite clearly. But I think Marx yeah. added a certain scientific Certainly. veneer to them. And then the third figure that you that I would mention besides Freud also would have been Darwin and his theory of breeding, which basically was that when individuals breed together, superior members, eventually they give birth to a superior species, or what Hitler called race. But the... Uh, they also, I think we have to take a look at the milieu in which Nazism arose, and that was right after World War One. you had the implementation in Russia of Bolshevism, which massacred up to 5 million people even before the Nazis got started. And I think that Bolshevism had an image of being or having a lot of people with Jewish last names involved in it, so it made it easy for the Nazis to demonize the Jews by saying that they were behind this horrendous regime, the worst that the world had ever known up until that point. And what further fueled the flames was that they saw the international liberal establishment not only turn a blind eye to Lenin's slaughter of up to five million people and development of concentration camps, which he called uh, um, the Gulag and his Cheka, which the Nazis imitated with the development of the Gestapo, but that they saw that they praised it, that they had people talking about the great and glorious revolution and how this was progressive. So I think that those factors, because most people in Germany and in Eastern Europe especially, they knew otherwise. I think that that fueled some of the basic anti-Semitism that had always always been there. Do you think so? Yeah, I think certainly uh, the Nazis equated Bolshevism with Judaism. And they thought that the Jews, yeah. the Jews brought the French Revolution. They made it in order to create equality. And the Jews uh, made the Russian Revolution in order to uh, create a classless society, mm -hmm. which is against the idea of race and of the nation. But we have also to think about another thing. It's true that a lot of the Russian revolutionaries had Jewish names and were in fact Jewish. But what is so fascinating right. for for the historian and for us about Nazi anti-Semitism is precisely the fact that it has no relation to reality. What they thought about the, the oh, Jews yeah. did not demand proofs. So for me, in my book, oh, absolutely the key true. idea that I wanted to trace, the fantasy and the imagination about Nazi anti-Semitism, that seems to us today, if we look at it, it's... Laughable. These are, of course, crazy ideas. How how did millions of people believe in it? And that's what actually interests me. Unless the idea of veracity, whether the Jews really were revolutionaries or not. Well, I mean, look, the vast majority of Jews despised communism as much as everyone else. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. we're, we're also quite patriotic Germans and patriotic Absolutely. Americans and patriotic British they were not involved in this conspiracy to subvert those governments and create a Sovietized system. 
Uh, but yet, because there were some prominent names involved in the Bolshevik Revolution, like Trotsky, who was the first head of the Red Army, and some mm-hmm. of the worst people, the head of the Gulag and all the rest, then you had uh, people in Europe get the wrong idea, and the Nazis, of course, exploit that by pointing a finger and saying the Jews are subversive. They want to create another... Of course, they were claiming that the Jews wanted to create in Germany exactly what they created themselves, which mm-hmm. was a totalitarian, utopian, socialist state. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, the picture that you draw is really interesting with regard to the anti-Semitism of average Germans. I was especially struck by how in the 1940s, when, commun- when, when decrees went out to send the Jews to the transit stations, and that there was a certain day that that was to happen, you know, the people would come out and they would they would almost celebrate. You know, they had children miss take a day off from school so they could watch the Jews march down the street in humiliation on their way to the trains. Mm-hmm. Did the people of Germany really know what was going on in terms of um, Auschwitz and, and the death camps? So what I try to do in my book is, in a way... Um, in a way, go around this question that you just asked, which is a very important question, and which have dominated mm-hmm. the historiography for a long time. What did people know about the Holocaust and when? People in Germany. And we know quite a lot right. about what people know or not. But I, I thought, well, there is a different way to look at it, because most people did not know about the guest chambers in Auschwitz. But I thought, you don't need to know about the guest chambers in order to understand the Jewish life in Germany and in Europe is coming to an end because of the, the German policies. So I wanted to um, explore how the idea of the world without Jews settled in the German imagination. And a world without Jews starts with, you know, your neighborhood without Jews, your school without Jews, your law firm without Jews, your radio station without, without Jews. Because first, after 1933, when the Nazis came to power, they, they first removed the Jews from all these social, economic, political positions. And then slowly, slowly, the idea that we are going to live in a, in a Germany without Jews, and then in a Europe without Jews after 1939, after settled into the German imagination. Now, not all Germans agreed to it, and not all Germans supported it. Some did, and I, and I did it, describe these families that watched this humiliation uh, of Jews. All right, Alon, I apologize. We've got to take a brief break here. We'll be right back. Alon Confino is my guest of World Without Jews. You're listening to the USA Radio Network. We'll be right back. 589%. 589%? That is how much more fat you could burn if you were using the 10 2 and a chew weight loss system from ilikehowilook.com. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby. A double-blind controlled clinical study showed that the 10 2 and a chew weight loss system burned 589% more fat than exercise and dieting alone. Think how much easier it'll be to lose weight. Go to ilikehowilook.com and read the study for yourself. You swallow a small capsule at 10, another at 2, and eat a tasty collagen protein candy chew anytime you need a snack. And with that, you could burn 589% more fat. Watch the video at ilikehowilook.com to get the full story. Most people notice a curbed appetite and more energy the very first day. 
It's safe, all natural, there's a money-back guarantee, and they'll even send you free samples. Go to ilikehowilook.com. ilikehowilook.com. In 2002, a National Sleep Foundation poll found that 63% of women had trouble sleeping. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby. In my opinion, a major reason for insomnia is the blue card. It's a shopping and loyalty card, and it's free. That's right, free, no charge, nada. With the blue card, you can receive up to 5% cash back on purchases. Most cards only offer 2% at most. No wonder girls can't sleep. With the blue card, you can also get shopping points that you could use for online purchases. So it's cash back and shopping points. Am I keeping you awake? If you refer the blue card to someone else, you could even earn money on their purchases. No, I'm serious. It's true. But it gets better. If you share the blue card with a merchant, you could earn on the purchases of everyone who uses the blue card at their store. There is no way you're going to get any sleep until you get your own free blue card. So call 800-627-6620 and order your free blue card so that you can rest easy again. Call 800-627-6620. Millions of families will be tuning in to watch the Super Bowl. And here's an important tip. Save Kids Worldwide and the Consumer Electronics Association, or CEA, are teaming up for National TV Safety Day, the day before the Super Bowl, by urging parents to make sure the TVs in their homes are safe before the big game. President and CEO of Save Kids Worldwide, Kate Carr. We're asking families to add one important task to their Super Bowl prep. Take a look around your home. Can the flat panel TV tip over? Have you moved the old bulky TV to a bedroom dresser where it rarely gets watched? On National TV Safety Day, recycle that old TV. Your home will be safer for it. Older, bulky TVs placed on high furniture can tip over and cause serious injuries, even death, if children climb onto the furniture. In fact, every three weeks, a child dies from a television tipping over. Save Kids and CEA encourage families to remove old, unwanted TVs from the home and recycle them. Find out how at SaveKids.org. I'm Alex Verde reporting. Hi, welcome to Staples. Hey, listen, I have my own business. Can you help me get my name out there? I'm on it. You can print my name on anything? On it. Your name on business cards, on pens, brochures, banners, t-shirts, signs. Go on. On hats, mugs, magnets, calendars, keychains, tote bags. On tote bags? Totes. Can I do it on budget? On it. I'm sold. Hey, are you ever not on? Only on my days off. Make on budget happen, make getting noticed happen. Staples, make more happen. Get 20% off any copy and print order of $50 or more. Offer valid in-store and online ends 131.15. Exclude self-serve copying and faxing, computer rentals, and outsourced print services. Discount applied before taxes may not be combined with any other offer. As an entrepreneur, you're always on the go. So turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Get a new business number or keep your current one. Sound professional with a main greeting and multiple extensions that forward callers to your mobile phone. You can even get voicemails transcribed. Join over 150,000 small businesses who stay connected with Grasshopper. See how it works at grasshopper.com, the entrepreneur's phone system. Author, journalist, and American patriot. This is Chuck Morse Speaks. Thank you very much. My guest is Alan Confino. He is the author of A World Without Jews, The Nazi Imagination from Persecution to Genocide. Alan, we're talking about the, the conspiracy theories that were embraced by average Germans. I think that things like anti-Semitism, for that matter, racism, other you know, demonizations of groups of people is an, a dark side of human nature. It's there in societies. It's in the United States. But the difference mm-hmm. with Nazi Germany 
was that it became a state-sponsored. You had the government itself, the leadership, openly declare it as not only acceptable, but actually pass laws to implement it. And that that, that along with the fact that um, after the Reichstag fire, Germany became an authoritarian state and that they had a monopoly on, on police power, you had a, a combination with people basically either accepted this or they were fearful to criticize um, th- this phenomena. Uh, so, you know, it's important to discuss what the atmosphere was like in Nazi Germany starting in the 1930s, particularly after the, um, the Enabling Act, which suspended the Constitution and which made Hitler the Fuhrer. It's important to, to realize, as you say, that uh, the, the policy of the Third Reich, right from its institution on January 30th, 1933, was to create a German society without Jews. At the beginning, of course, no one thought about uh, death camps or extermination. But the removal of the Jews, ideally, they can emigrate. They, they can emigrate to Palestine. They can emigrate to the U.S., wherever they want. But they should leave. But we have also to realize that genocides usually in the 20th century are done by states. So in in this respect, Nazi Germany is not unique. The genocide in Rwanda or the genocide in Cambodia or the genocide in Yugoslavia, because genocides are a very complicated event, actually. You need to have a machinery. So states usually are behind them whether officially or unofficially. And usually officially. That's, that's the official uh, policy to remove minorities or those that are deemed um, non, not, uh, not suitable. And this, this happened also in Germany. You know, the, the, other, the other problem that made the Nazi um, you know, the slaughter of Jews uh, particularly unique was the fact that the, the Western democracies, basically, in 1938, after the Ivian Conference in, in France, they, they essentially slammed the door on, on European Jews. I mean, they said, you know, that this would be a Nazi, you know, the Nazis would be free to handle this, the, quote, Jewish question in, in any way they saw fit. And you had, uh, following that, you had situations like in the United States, uh, the Roosevelt administration actually turned back a shipload of Jews who were trying to get to Cuba, and uh, they mm-hmm. were sent back to Europe in their deaths. And you had the, the Canadian prime minister, who's a vicious anti-Semite, say that there would be no Jews allowed in Canada because we don't have room for them. Can you imagine that? Canada, of all places. And that they lobbied certain Latin American countries who wanted to welcome the Jews to not do it. Uh, so... You know, I think that there's – and Hitler and the Nazis, they took full note of this. I mean, they actually said, here you have the Western democracies criticizing us for our Jewish question. Look what they're doing. So mm-hmm. for whatever reason, and you might want to elaborate, there was a lot of complicity on the part of the Western democracies here. It, it is certainly true that in the, in the context of the 1930s, of the Big Depression, uh, countries did not want new uh, immigrants, Jews or non-Jews. And because of the particular situation in the, the Palestine between Jews and Arabs, the British also did not want more Jews in 
Palestine, although in the 1930s, many more Jews came to Palestine than in the 1920s. So the Western powers had the limitations on their policies. At the same time, as you already intimated, what is interesting for us is how come in German society itself, people believed in the ideas about the Jews that gave the regime actually the legitimacy to move on and to continue, and actually gave it a, a certain uh, uh, cultural and social support to move on. But uh, before we want to um, criticize harshly the Western powers, immigration is always a tough, uh, a tough uh, choice to make. We can think about America th these days. And usually countries don't like to receive, not only Jews, but also others. Okay, we're going to take another break here. Sorry about that. Alonzo Pino's like, that's we'll be right back. Dolores and Ray Butcher and their three daughters earned a trip to Disneyland by collecting SNH green stamps. It was a dream come true. Today, nearly everyone has a wallet or keychain full of loyalty rewards cards that they use for discounts, gifts, and even free dinners at their favorite restaurants. For years, an international company has been offering a universal loyalty rewards card in Europe. Now they are looking for independent representatives to launch this card in the U.S. and Canada. We call it the blue card, one card to replace dozens. The blue card offers discounts, cash back, it even accumulates points to shop at participating merchants and an online mall. It's free to get the card and free to become a representative. You could help launch the blue card in your area and get paid wherever it's used. Imagine, you could get paid every time someone fills their gas tank, buys groceries, orders an online air ticket, or purchases just about anything. To get your free blue card, call 800-627-6620. 6620 Thousands of Americans are losing weight and feeling better with the 10 Tuna Chew weight loss system from ilikehowilook.com. Here is U.S. Army Sergeant Dave Myers. Since I started taking the Nuvina, probably, I want to say 60, 65 days ago, I have lost over 12 pounds. I have a long military career, and it has caused some issues with my knees and my ankles over the years, and I have become accustomed to just being in pain with one of those areas. I can only attribute the way I feel to the Nuvina because that's the only thing that's changed in my diet, and I am absolutely pain-free in knees and ankles, and it just feels great to be able to get out and run around and move pain-free again. The Nufina Collagen Protein Shake is part of the 10 2 in a Chew weight loss system from ilikehowilook.com. Collagen feeds the joints, hair, and skin. This could help you lose weight, feel better, and look younger. Watch the video on ilikehowilook.com and get the full story. They even offer free samples. Go to ilikehowilook.com. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much. Alon Confino is my guest at World Without Jews, the Nazi imagination from persecution to genocide. Fascinating topic, obviously. Um, so you had a situation where the Jews, their fate was sealed in Europe, both by the Nazis and their um, insistence ultimately on literally exterminating the Jews. At first they were willing to allow them to emigrate, but the door was shut by the Western powers at, uh, at Evian and certainly by the British who uh, stationed uh, scarce resources in terms of their navy 
off the shore of Palestine to blockade Palestine um, while they were also fighting the Nazis to keep Jews out. In fact, there's going to be a special on Channel 2 in Boston, the, the, N, the NP, uh, you know, National Public uh, Television Station, this Wednesday with a newly released uh, video footage of um, the liberation of Bergen-Belsen death camp something that the British took films of, but they didn't release it until now, 50 years later, because at the time they decided that to release this might help the Jews of Palestine. So they didn't want to do that. Um, So you have a lot of uh, complicity on the part of the Western powers, not necessarily to, you know, assist in literally the Holocaust, but certainly to allow the Jews or or to uh, make it possible that the fate of the Jews would be determined by the Nazis. And, uh, you know, their their intentions were not good. But uh, I think that the subject to bring things up till today is very relevant when we take a look at the type of anti-Semitism that pervades in many Arab and Islamic countries now. I mean, a, a type of anti-Semitism that has led to such horrors as the slaughter of people at a grocery store in Paris just a couple of weeks ago. Is it is the is this sort of hatred of Jews and these this kind of atrocity propaganda against Israel, which reminds me of the sort of conspiracy theories that the Nazis hatched about Jews in their day, blaming them for things. Is, is this comparable? And what's going on there? Do you think, Alan? Anti-Semitism existed before the Holocaust, and it exists after the Holocaust, and it would have existed also without the Holocaust. And one of the reasons that I wrote this book is to explain actually why why were the Jews so important in the Nazi imagination and identity. After all, the Nazis made also other genocides, but they had a particular a particular genocide about the Jews that is to kill all of them. So the place of the Jews in Christian European civilization makes them a target because the Jews are the origins, the origins of Christianity, the origins of morality. In, in the mind of a lot of people. Um, at the same time, one lesson for my book is that minority groups will be persecuted with all sorts of with all sorts of legitimations. So Jews are being persecuted in in Europe in the name of the Holocaust. But I, w- I would like also to to point out that uh, that Israel occupies the Palestinians also by using the Holocaust as a legitimation. Um, So it's not that we can drive direct lessons from the Holocaust to today. People can use the past and um, legitimize by very different policies, and sometimes in a very unpredictable and uh, surprising ways, as as I think happens in Israeli society these these days. so we have to take also this into consideration when we think about lessons of the Holocaust or continuities about it. Well, 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 well let's talk about some of the lessons of the Holocaust. And again, I mean, I think that it, it involved um, state-sponsored, um, organized demonization of a group of people, um, you know, sort of putting people in a collective category that all of these people are X, Y, and Z. Rather than take a look at, you know, ideas that people may embrace and say that those ideas are dangerous, and uh, and I think that that's going on. 
in, in the Arab and Islamic world today with regard to Jews. All right, we're going to take another break here. Sorry about that. We'll be right back. Elon Fino uh, is my guest, A World Without Jews. We'll be right back. A Truth Talk defender, Chuck Morse, is someone you really do want to know. Chuck hosts the radio talk show Chuck Morse Speaks, which is nationally syndicated. He's the author of books and numerous columns that have been published broadly. Chuck received the 2003 Communicator of the Year Award and was named a heavy 100 radio talk host by Talkers Magazine. When Chuck Morse speaks, people listen. The taking possession of this tiny holy land so that the Jew can serve God, not conquer the world. To hear Chuck live, go to irnusaradio.com. To hear Chuck with Deborah Ray on Truth Talk Beyond the Soundbite, visit the on-demand page at deborahray.us. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law of this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, Proof of God in Heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via His universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. A National Sleep Foundation poll found that 63% of women had trouble sleeping. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby. In my opinion, a major reason for insomnia is the blue card. It's a shopping and loyalty card, and it's free. That's right, free, no charge, nada. With the blue card, you can receive up to 5% cash back on purchases. Most cards only offer 2% at most. No wonder girls can't sleep. With the blue card, you can also get shopping points that you could use for online purchases. So it's cash back and shopping points. Am I keeping you awake? If you refer the blue card to someone else, you could even earn money on their purchases. No, I'm serious. It's true. But it gets better. If you share the blue card with a merchant, you could earn on the purchases of everyone who uses the blue card at their store. There is no way you're going to get any sleep until you get your own free blue card. So call 800-627-6620 and order your free blue card so that you can rest easy again. Call 800-627-6620. Chuck Morse speaks. Thanks so much. Elon Confino is my guest, A World Without Jews. This book really draws a very interesting picture of, uh, of Nazi attitudes toward Jews. And, and, and again, I would say that um, it wouldn't have happened had it not been for state-sponsored anti-Semitism, that the government actually uh, promulgated these conspiracy theories and gave them legitimacy and actually passed laws. 
One of the things you mentioned toward the end of the book also, Alon, that I thought was interesting was that people like Von Verscher and, uh, and Mengele and others, these uh, scientists, they basically got off scot-free at, uh, at Nuremberg. I mean, Mengele disappeared. No one quite knows what happened to him. Mm-hmm. Von Verscher went back to his, and Von Verscher was his teacher. He went back to his university where he continued. And I think that... Uh, there was a lot of that uh, after uh, World War II that uh, the scientific community actually continued in many cases some of these ghoulish experiments on people that they viewed it as as science, including you know here in the West in in in, in uh, McGill University in Canada, you had uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Ewan Cameron engage in some of the most heinous experiments on people. In the United States, you had Julius uh, Ju- what was his name. Uh, Louis Jolion West out at UCLA engaging in mm-hmm. experiments. That that this was almost, um, you know, they were given a complete pass. I mean, th- th- this was seen as um, progressive in, in many ways. So uh, comment a bit on that, if you will. Yeah. You cannot, uh, you cannot perpetrate a genocide without the state because a genocide is such a, com- it's a, it's such a complex event. You have to... You have to round up the people, you have to gather them, you have to send them, you have to kill them. And that's why also you can't do it without a certain massive participation of the population. You need policemen, and you need armies, and you need killers, and you need people who will propagate it. So genocides are social events. It's not something that is done in secret. And usually they are not secret. States are, are, are proud of it, which means that once the, the state of of emergency ends, as as it happened in 1945 in Germany, societies don't don't change overnight, um, and that's why so many Nazis could. They, they basically were seen. They were reintegrated. Okay, we'll be right back. Yeah, Thank they, you. Were, they were integrated in West Germany. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question: Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law of this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, Proof of God in Heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via His universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. Taking back America one listener at a time. Chuck Morse speaks. Thanks so much. Elon Confino's my guest. A World Without Jews is the book. Elon, you know, I still cannot help but think that um, because of political correctness, we have not gotten a full picture of the nature of the Holocaust and of the anti-Semitism of the Nazis because I, I would argue that the one missing piece is that they were inspired by and that they did imitate the Soviet Bolsheviks. 
and that there's still a soft spot for Soviet Bolshevism because it's on the left. But the fact of the matter mm-hmm. is that it was Lenin who first implemented in modern times this idea that entire groups of people could be eliminated, slaughtered, because they were not politically correct, to use his words. And he started doing it. I mean, we should note that even before the Nazi party formed, you had the kulaks were slaughtered because they, they started to develop a little property ownership. We're talking billions of people, forced fa- forced starvation and famine, the Holdemar and the Ukraine, and, and that this fact could not have been overlooked and was not overlooked by most European average people, not the elites. They did overlook it. But most average Europeans understood it. The Nazis understood it. And I think the Nazis were emboldened by it. They thought, well, if the Bolsheviks are getting such great praise for their eliminating their enemies, allegedly, then why wouldn't we? This is certainly part of the picture. And it's a very important part of the picture because of anti-communism in Europe in general, in Germany, and by the Nazis. But I would like to add to it a few aspects. Also, Lenin learned from someone. And he also knew, as other Europeans, the genocide had been committed by Europeans in the colonies. In the decades before 1917, that is, before the Bolshevik Revolution. So Lenin was not the first one to decide to eliminate groups of people that were undesirable. Actually, the Germans themselves, they had colonies in Africa, and they perpetrated a a genocide there in the early 20th uh, century. So we want to take this into consideration. And another thing, we don't want to make the the Nazi anti-Semitism only about the previous 15 years, previous to their assumption of uh, of, uh, power. As I try to show in my book, there were... There were Christian symbols and imaginations and roots to this as well. So we want to take communism, anti-communism seriously, but we want to add to it some other aspects that give us a fuller picture. No, I I get what you're saying, and I think that certainly Christian anti-Semitism was nothing new. I mean, it goes back to the very first founding fathers of the church, who were angry and, you know, who wrote some very nasty things about the Jews. Martin Luther is an example, by the way, as an anti-Semite who called for burning synagogues. That's all true, but it was really under, only under the Nazis that this was really carried out and in such a systematic way. Um, and, and uh, you know, but you're right in, in that, uh, you know, the first concentration camps actually were put up, put together by the British in, in mm-hmm. South Africa, you know, during the Boer War. So, I think that's a that's a point well taken, and I think that that's that's part of it as well, for sure. Yes, I agree, uh, because we we don't want to have an explanation that is unidirectional. You know, to say there's only one thing that can explain us Nazi anti-Semitism. Actually, it was a very complex thing, but its roots were absolutely German and European. The, the Nazis did not come from the moon. They did not come from nowhere. They are part of and parcel of Western society, of European society, and that's why their ideas were received so um, deeply, because they were actually part of their society. Uh, and, yes. in, and in understanding this, we have to really bring them back into our history as Western civilization. They are not some kind of alien body. 
So then what should be the takeaway, Alan, from this very complex subject? And I realize that by giving us a couple of statements, you should get a Nobel Prize if you could answer the yeah. question. But I want to I think, I want to give people a yeah. sense of – yeah, go ahead. The takeaway is go ahead. first we have to take evil people seriously. That is when, when people like, for example, now ISIS or Daesh, when they are doing awful things, we should not dismiss them as – is ignorant or stupid, we should understand what lies behind their thinking, what do they imagine, how they look at history, because usually, usually, people who do bad things have very good, very good justifications. It doesn't mean that their justifications are justified, but they give themselves mm -hmm. self-justifications to do what they do, and we have to take it seriously. Had we taken seriously the Nazis, well, things would have been different. Uh, and the second thing is that minorities and so-called undesirable groups are discriminated everywhere. Are vulnerable. And we should be against it everywhere. Okay, one, one more break. We'll be right back. In 2002, a National Sleep Foundation poll found that 63% of women had trouble sleeping. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby. In my opinion, a major reason for insomnia is the blue card. It's a shopping and loyalty card, and it's free. That's right, free, no charge, nada. With the blue card, you can receive up to 5% cash back on purchases. Most cards only offer 2% at most. No wonder girls can't sleep. With the blue card, you can also get shopping points that you could use for online purchases. So it's cashback and shopping points. Am I keeping you awake? If you refer the blue card to someone else, you could even earn money on their purchases. No, I'm serious. It's true. But it gets better. If you share the blue card with a merchant, you could earn on the purchases of everyone who uses the blue card at their store. There is no way you're going to get any sleep until you get your own free blue card. So call 800-627-6620 and order your free blue card so that you can rest easy again. Call 800-627-6620. Chuck Morse Speaks. Thank you very much. Alon Cavino is my guest and World Without Jews. Alon, we only have a minute or so left here, so I'd like you to talk a little bit about how people can get your book and, and get more information about your writing. Well, they can get my book, of course, through Amazon or from Yale University Press, and it's available in hardback. And in six weeks, it's going to be available in paperback and, of course, in Kindle. Um, and it is accessible to the wider public. My ideal reader is my mother, uh, who thinks the book was terrific, but I guess she's not objective. <laughs> but it is not for scholars. It's, it is also read by uh, scholars, but it is, but it is an, an interpretation of anti-Semitism in Nazi Germany that uh, is for the wider public. And it's written with a lot of... Uh, stories from everyday life, a lot of diaries and uh, letters capturing people's experience. Absolutely. And I want to thank you very much for joining me, Alon. Take care. Thank you. Thank Alon you. Thanks, thanks for having me. Of... Okay, my pleasure. A World Without Jews, the Nazi Imagination from Persecution to Genocide. Uh, in the second hour, we're going to be joined by... Um, 
by a, a medical doctor who is forming an organization, that being Dr. Gerard Giornoli, um, that is uh, finding a way to get around Obamacare so that people can actually get uh, medical care rather than have doctors become, uh, you know, clerks filling out a lot of paperwork. And, uh, and they're offering the services at a much less cost, mainly because uh, people pay cash for their, for their medical care. Check out my books available at Amazon or Amazon Kindle. I just put my name in the server, Chuck Morse, M-O-R-S-E, like Morse code, at Amazon or Amazon Kindle, and you shall see a bunch of books come up of various topics. Um, and also, of course, the blog is um, Chuck Morse Speaks. Um, so um, we shall return in hour number two with Dr. Gerard Ginoli. Again, I want to thank Elon Confino for joining me, A World Without Jews. We'll be back. A piece of chocolate cake called you into the kitchen? Has the Dairy Queen sign ever forced your car into the drive through lane? Have you ever had a bag of chips dive off the counter right into your hands? Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby, speaking for the ILikeHowILook.com website. Chances are, at some time in your day, you have been and will continue to be the victim of cravings. ILikeHowILook.com website realizes that you can't hide in your closet all day just to avoid snack attacks. That's why they recommend the 10 2 in a chew weight loss system. 10 2 in a chew offers powerful, natural appetite suppressants to put cravings on the run. To see a video explaining how it works, just go to ilikehowilook.com. They will send you a free sample. Most people notice a difference the very first day. It's much easier to lose weight without those sneaky cravings, so watch the video at ilikehowilook.com. That's ilikehowilook.com. Americans are losing weight and feeling better with the 10 Tuna Chew weight loss system from ilikehowilook.com. Here is U.S. Army Sergeant Dave Myers. Since I started taking the Nuvina, probably, I want to say 60, 65 days ago, I have lost over 12 pounds. I have a long military career, and it has caused some issues with my knees and my ankles over the years, and I have become accustomed to just being in pain with one of those areas. I can only attribute the way I feel to the Nuvina because that's the only thing that's changed in my diet, and I am absolutely pain-free in knees and ankles, and it just feels great to be able to get out and run around and move pain-free again. The Nufina Collagen Protein Shake is part of the 10 2 in a chew weight loss system from ilikehowilook.com. Collagen feeds the joints, hair, and skin. This could help you lose weight, feel better, and look younger. Watch the video on ilikehowilook.com and get the full story. They even offer free samples. Go to ilikehowilook.com. Boston conservative in the cradle of liberty. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. Thank you very much. Hour number two of Chuck Moore Speaks, Monday through Friday, 10 to noon Eastern Standard Time, here at the USA Radio Network. You're welcome to join the program, 844 439 1391. 
844-439-1391. We are joined by Dr. Gianoli. He is a neuroontologist who practices in Covington, Louisiana. Dr. Gerard Gianoli is also, also the author of a recent Wall Street Journal article entitled, Saying Goodbye to Third-Party Medical Payments. No insurers, no government, no surprise bills. At our practice, patients pay in cash and prices are lower. Dr. Gianoli, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Okay, hold on. That's because I didn't go like this. Dr. Ginoli, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Appreciate you for coming aboard. My pleasure. Uh, so we have this Wall Street Journal article. You're saying that in your practice, you're helping patients essentially do an end run around Obamacare by paying for their medical assistance with cash. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about how that works. Well, basically, in my practice, uh, patients, when they call up, are told how much the cost of the visit and any testing we do is before they even schedule the appointment. Uh, so they have the option. If they don't want to do it. They don't have to do it. They're not going to get any surprise bills later on. And then when they come in for their visit, uh, they're expected to pay at that time. We give them uh, the HICFA form, which is sort of the equivalent of a receipt, which they will then submit to their insurance company for reimbursement. And how much they get reimbursed by their insurance company varies according to whatever their insurance is, whether they have in-network or out-of-network benefits, that kind of thing, and whatever the quality of their insurance is. So my fee for all my patients for the equivalent service is exactly the same, as opposed to other doctors' office where it's across the board depending on what their insurance uh, company is. At other doctors' office, you don't know, the doctor couldn't even tell you how much it's going to cost, and you get a surprise bill three months after the fact, and you have no idea what it's going to cost, and you have no idea, you know, what you're going to be charged. Uh, so it's all very open right. pricing. Uh, yeah. The, uh, yes, the other aspect to this is that when people when people don't know how much they're going to be charged, or even how much their insurance company is charged. You know, you lose touch with how much medical care actually costs, and that rises the cost of medical care because when uh, when doctors and insurance companies and hospitals can just bill the uh, you know you know bill the uh, essentially the insurance companies and the government, then there's a lot you know in the case of Medicare there's a lot less accountability. But I also understand that by paying cash and paying a set fee in advance you're able to actually lower the cost because you don't have to handle all of the paperwork in-house associated with contacting the insurance company and some of the Obamacare regulations. Is that the case? Absolutely. And we're not the only practice that has seen that. You can see that uh, probably most glaringly with uh, something as routine as a mammogram. Uh, I don't know if you or your audience are aware, but if you go to get a you know tr typical screening yearly mammogram and you use your insurance and for some reason your insurance denies the coverage of the mammogram you will get a bill uh, a couple months later for $350 or more whereas if you would have just paid cash up front it could be as low as 40 or 50 dollars 
And uh, interestingly, the insurance company will pay anywhere from like 120 to 250 dollars for it. So it's it's and especially if you have a high deductible plan, you're actually better off paying cash and even using your insurance for a mammogram. So basically, what what you're having then is is really a return to old-fashioned medicine, where the doctor is able to spend more time with the patient, rather than spend all the time handling paperwork. Uh, the doctor is able to reduce their overhead because they need less staff time to handle all of this increased paperwork, and that you as a patient are able to operate with a lot more transparency because all of your personal medical information doesn't get entered into a computer that ends up in Washington. Uh, so is that the case? Yes, sir. That's absolutely correct. Uh, the field that I'm in, you know, what I, we tend to specialize in vertigo problems, which is something that there's another little twist on things. Vertigo is one of these things that's very complex, requires extensive history and physical. You need to spend a lot of time with the yeah. patient figuring out what's going on. You have to do a lot of testing. You have to do a lot of counseling. Well, the problem is with the current third-party payer system, they will pay my colleagues the same amount for an extensive vertigo evaluation that they'll maybe spend an hour with them that they'll pay for somebody who has wax in the ear and they spend two minutes taking the wax out, uh, which is completely you know, just not right. And so consequently, a lot of my colleagues – don't want to see patients with vertigo or dizziness because they know they're going to spend a lot of time with them and they're going to lose money, basically, by seeing these folks. Wow. In consequence, no, I mean, that's I, where I, I can, can speak make to a this. living. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can speak to that. I've been treated for vertigo myself at Mass General. In fact, um, I'm having some of that today with this upcoming storm. But, um, you know, in a sense, what you're saying here is that, um, you know, without – involving the government and the sort of the cookie-cutter aspect of, uh, of a government uh, policy, you're able to treat a patient individually because even putting aside, you know, you know sort of more complex is issues like vertigo, yeah, everyone's different. Everyone has a different uh, physiology, and they might have a different need and a different response to various diagnoses. So uh, we're talking about a better real practice, you know, practicing of medicine rather than turning our doctors into essentially government bureaucrats. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's also not just a matter of the price, too. It's also the quality. Uh, back when we originally decided to got get out of Medicare, which is even a few years before we got out of all the third, the third parties, Medicare had significantly reduced what they would pay us for it doing an ENG test, which is one of our workhorse tests for evaluation of vertigo and dizziness. And at the time, you know, it was sort of like, well, the option was either we can just get out and charge a reasonable price for what we think is a good service, or we could do what, what all of our colleagues have had to do, which is reduce what we do during the test. And we had an ENG is basically just a bunch of subtests, and we would do anywhere from 15 to 20 different subtests. Now we actually do 31 different subtests, and my colleagues are doing between 9 and 12 subtests. So for that same test, we're doing it cheaper, and we're doing a lot more during the test. So it's a better quality test. Right, and, and also there's the factor that uh, oftentimes uh, big hospitals especially, they want to channel people into certain uh, 
treatments because they've just spent a million dollars on a piece of equipment. Um, and I think that if patients actually see how much these things cost, then there's going to be maybe a bit more discernment and a little bit more shopping around. The, the cost of these things might be lowered if it has to be, uh, you know, accounted for on the open market. What, what do you think? Oh, absolutely. I think you're referring to moral hazard. Uh, when you have first-dollar coverage and you have no financial skin in the game, you might as well get every test that there is, and, and you don't care as a patient. Uh, but I can tell you from our standpoint, when patients call our office, and I'll tell you one patient in particular, remember my, my, one of my receptions mentioned, uh, she found out my office visit was $300. And the patient's response was, well, my dizziness isn't worth $300. Well, that's a valid statement, you know, because if it's not worth $300, it's probably not that bad of a problem, you know. I mean, because there's other ways they can spend that $300. And there, on the other hand, there's other patients where $300 for evaluation and treatment of their dizziness is nothing, and it's a bargain. Uh, but it does allow the patient to make that judgment. Now, you're involved in a general sort of an informal movement on the part of doctors to try to uh, reform uh, the Affordable Care Act. Uh, you say that it's raising costs, it's restricting choice, it restricts doctors' freedom, uh, it puts bureaucrats in the treatment room, as it were. Now, when you say that it, it restricts freedom, does this, uh, you know, this, is, this gets into an area that has been of concern by many of the opponents of the Affordable Care Act, particularly Sarah Palin's famous comment about death panels. Uh, does this uh, mean, first of all, rationing? And secondly, is this, uh, does this have to do with these so-called Corey scores where people are going to be given a score and that the doctor will be basically told by the bureaucrats, you know, what they can and can't do for a patient because of that patient's uh, age and whether or not they're seen as uh, as viable. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's one of these things where we're already kind of heading down that path. Um, the reality is Obamacare uh, has only made a bad medical system worse. It's taken the things that were really bad about our health care system and amplified them. Uh, I'm, you know, right now, the, the Democrats are in favor of Obamacare and the Republicans are opposed but I guarantee if the Republicans came up with Obamacare, the Democrats would be against it uh, because it hasn't solved any of the problems they said it was going to solve. Just because someone has health insurance doesn't mean they have access to care. You know, I mean, and I think, uh, you know, the, the typical scenario is, you know, you've got waiting lines. Uh, an example, uh, like my, uh, my colleagues taking care of vertigo patients, some of them just have stopped seeing them just because they don't want to deal with it. Right. And others have deferred them on to their nurse practitioner to get them out of their hair, so to speak. Sure. So so then, in other words, there is this sort of a, a contraction in, in, in um, medical care um, because of the, uh, the bureaucratic overhead and because uh, perhaps of an informal, if not perhaps even a more direct um, incentive and penalty by the government in terms of treating certain things. Uh, you know, there's been a lot said about, uh, you know, for example, women have told now that they shouldn't get mammograms until they're over over 50. 
uh, that uh, certain other things are being uh, discouraged. And uh, what concerns me, I don't have a problem with uh, the, the the medical, uh, you know, the the, the Amer- medical association saying that they they don't think certain modalities are necessary. But if they're going to uh, you know penalize doctors for doing them, or they're going to you know, I, I guess uh, you know actually mandate that something not be done to save money, that I have a problem with. So is, is that is that happening? I mean, are there situations where doctors are being penalized if they do things that uh, the government doesn't want them to do? Well, right now, I don't know if necessarily the government is penalizing, but certainly the, uh, the private insurers are giving doctors scorecards. And if the doctor costs them too much money, uh, you know, by ordering certain tests, et cetera, they get black marks and maybe uh, left off of their their um, uh, you know insurance panel. You definitely don't see any of that kind of thing in my practice and practices similar to mine, where we're out of the third party payment system because I have no contracts with any of these folks. Okay, we're going to take go. a brief. No, we'll we'll be right back. We're going to take a break. In the early 60s, Dolores and Ray Butcher and their three daughters earned a trip to Disneyland by collecting S&H green stamps. It was a dream come true. Today, nearly everyone has a wallet or keychain full of loyalty rewards cards that they use for discounts, gifts, and even free dinners at their favorite restaurants. For years, an international company has been offering a universal loyalty rewards card in Europe. Now they are looking for independent representatives to launch this card in the U.S. and Canada. We call it the Blue Card. One card to replace dozens. The Blue Card offers discounts, cash back, it even accumulates points to shop at participating merchants and an online mall. It's free to get the card and free to become a representative. You could help launch the blue card in your area and get paid wherever it's used. Imagine, you could get paid every time someone fills their gas tank, buys groceries, orders an online air ticket, or purchases just about anything. To get your free blue card, call 800-627-6620. 800-627-6620. Did you know that by losing just 10 pounds, you could reduce your risk of heart disease, diabetes, and arthritis by a whopping 50%? Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby from ilikehowilook.com. I have found something that could help you lose 10 to 15 pounds in the next 30 days without starving yourself or exercising to exhaustion. Just go to ilikehowilook.com and watch the short video. ilikehowilook.com uses hydrolyzed collagen protein to help you lose weight and tone up. They also have a thermogenic capsule that could curb your appetite, improve your mood, give you more energy, and the best part is that it burns fat like a blowtorch. I introduced this to some of my friends a few months ago. Within just a couple of weeks, most were losing weight and dropping dress and pants sizes faster than they could buy new clothes. So watch the video at ilikehowilook.com and maybe soon you'll be saying, I like how I look. Millions of families will be tuning in to watch the Super Bowl, and here's an important tip. Save Kids Worldwide and the Consumer Electronics Association, or CEA, are teaming up for National TV Safety Day, the day before the Super Bowl, by urging parents to make sure the TVs in their homes are safe before the big game. President and CEO of Save Kids Worldwide, Kate Carr. We're asking families to add one important task to their Super Bowl prep. Take a look around your home. Can the flat panel TV tip over? Have you moved the old bulky TV to a bedroom dresser where it rarely gets watched? 
On National TV Safety Day, recycle that old TV. Your home will be safer for it. Older, bulky TVs placed on high furniture can tip over and cause serious injuries, even death, if children climb onto the furniture. In fact, every three weeks, a child dies from a television tipping over. Save Kids and CEA encourage families to remove old, unwanted TVs from the home and recycle them. Find out how at SaveKids.org. I'm Alex Verdi reporting. And now, for Geico's stuff found in your car, we go inside your backseat vent. Hello, the French fry by the pink crayon. Last week, I was king of the car seat, and then your kid's favorite song stopped, and boom, meltdown. Remember, it took you 15 minutes to clean up. 15 minutes you could have spent switching to Geico and saving hundreds of dollars on your car insurance. Please find us. If it gets any hotter, Pinky over there is going to have a different kind of meltdown. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com today. Remember when a small business needed a landline? Today, the world is your office with Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. On the road, at the beach, or at home, Grasshopper helps you grow your business with all the features of a business phone system and the freedom of a cell phone. Features include multiple extensions for your team, calls forwarded to your mobile phones, voicemails transcribed and emailed, and so much more. See how it works at grasshopper.com, the entrepreneur's phone system. Chuck Morse speaks. We're talking about Obamacare with Dr. Gerard Ginoli. He's got a column up at the Wall Street Journal saying goodbye to third-party medical payments. Uh, Dr. Ginoli, I also think that uh, one of the reasons why medical care is so expensive is because of the mandates on the state level and now on the federal level, because of Obamacare, where you've got various special interests getting in there and getting uh, the government to enforce uh, coverage for certain things that are not essential and that are not really a matter, I think, of interest or shouldn't be for the government, which should be to ensure catastrophic care uh, assistance. I mean, I think that uh, all people should have basic coverage, whether it be through insurance or through the government or whatever, for catastrophic care. But with these mandates, and I know this is big on my own state here of Massachusetts, uh, before Obamacare, you had people up there getting uh, you know, mandates put on for everything you can imagine, tummy tucks and breast implants and you know, certainly sex change. That's very popular. And by the way, that's, the insurance companies make a fortune off of that. Last year they they built thirty seven million dollars and they only paid out a hundred two hundred thousand, so that's a big wow. boon for the insurance companies. But but these things cost money. I mean, this is why every time a mandate is put onto a policy, that that raises the cost for everybody. It's not a matter of whether or not people might want to have a rider to their policy to cover certain things, but to mandate it, that's really the the crux of why. Uh, there's been such an increase in the cost of these things. What do you think? Absolutely. I think what supports your point is to to look at a lot of these. um, They're not really insurance, but sort of insurance companies that are exempt from Obamacare, mainly the the religious organizations that do cost-sharing. Uh, they function like insurance, but they're exempt from all the mandates. And for a similar policy that you would get with Blue Cross or one of the big insurers that may cost you $1,700 a month, 
you could get it through one of these religious organizations for like $200, $300 a month. And it's mainly because of exactly like you just mentioned, they, they're they not doing all the mandated, uh, you know, uh, Viagra pills and, and things like this that, you know, are really more elective, you know, things that really shouldn't be covered by insurance. They should be, you know, that's something someone pays cash for if they want it. Right, exactly. Or they can, as as you said, they can get a rider themselves if they want it. There's nothing wrong with that, but the idea of mandating it is uh, is really problematic, and it's really, I would argue, the cause the, the cause of the uh, of the high costs. Um, what 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 about? I mean, what do you recommend, if if anything, as a matter of public policy, uh, toward uh, toward a solution? I mean, and why hasn't it been recommended before by doctors? I think mainly doctors don't want to get involved politically, and they're they're kind of being forced to be involved. But I think one big giant step in the direction of improving the the overall outrageous cost would be to make it illegal for doctors and hospitals to have contracts with medical insurance companies, have the patients mm-hmm. forced to take care, take, you know, to confront the hospitals. And I think you would see elimination of all these crazy uh, charges that are out there. Right. And I would even add to that, and maybe you might want to comment, drug companies, that doctors are, are, are you know, wind and dined by big drug companies to promote certain drugs over something else that might be a lot less expensive, perhaps a generic, and uh, that, that this, uh, this also has re- driven up the cost. Certainly, driven up, driven up the costs on the pharmaceutical. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, uh, Doctor Ginelli, let, let people know where they can get more information about you and, and your group, and 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 where we can learn more. Absolutely, my uh, uh, website is www.earandbalance.net, and if people want more information about third-party pra- uh, free practices like myself. The Association of American Physicians and Surgeons has a website that keeps a track of all of the third-party free practices. That's aaps.org, uh, I believe. Uh, and there's also a website uh, called Medibid, uh, which uh, connects doctors that are put up cash prices with patients that are looking for cash prices. That's Great. M-E-D-I-D-I-D. Well, listen, I want to th- – yeah. Excellent, and I, I just think it's a great thing to to mention to people that they they ought to become aware of this option and and ask their doctors uh, to to um, to participate. I mean, it's just a great way to do an end run around this growing uh, massive bureaucratic infrastructure. Anyways, uh, uh, Doctor Gerard, uh, Gerard Ginoli, I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. My pleasure. You take care. All right. Take care. Okay, so that's uh, Dr. Ginoli, and we shall be back. You're listening, of course, to USA Radio Network, Chuck Morse, and, and please stay tuned. National Sleep Foundation poll found that 63% of women had trouble sleeping. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby. In my opinion, a major reason for insomnia is the blue card. It's a shopping and loyalty card, and it's free. That's right, free, no charge, nada. With the blue card, you can receive up to 5% cash back on purchases. Most cards only offer 2% at most. No wonder girls can't sleep. With the blue card, you can also get shopping points that you could use for online purchases. 
So it's cash back and shopping points. Am I keeping you awake? If you refer the blue card to someone else, you could even earn money on their purchases. No, I'm serious. It's true. But it gets better. If you share the blue card with a merchant, you could earn on the purchases of everyone who uses the blue card at their store. There is no way you're going to get any sleep until you get your own free blue card. So call 800-627-6620 and order your free blue card so that you can rest easy again. Call 800-627-6620. Millions of families will be tuning in to watch the Super Bowl, and here's an important tip. Save Kids Worldwide and the Consumer Electronics Association, or CEA, are teaming up for National TV Safety Day, the day before the Super Bowl, by urging parents to make sure the TVs in their homes are safe before the big game. President and CEO of Safe Kids Worldwide, Kate Carr. We're asking families to add one important task to their Super Bowl prep. Take a look around your home. Can the flat panel TV tip over? Have you moved the old bulky TV to a bedroom dresser where it rarely gets watched? On National TV Safety Day, recycle that old TV. Your home will be safer for it. Older, bulky TVs placed on high furniture can tip over and cause serious injuries, even death, if children climb onto the furniture. In fact, every three weeks, a child dies from a television tipping over. Save Kids and CEA encourage families to remove old, unwanted TVs from the home and recycle them. Find out how at SaveKids.org. I'm Alex Verdi reporting. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. Thank you very much, and uh, again, want to thank uh, Dr. Gerard Gianoli for joining me. Very interesting, this idea that there's a growing movement on the part of doctors to uh, accept cash payment for treatment, uh, which is billed up front and which is less than uh, one would be charged otherwise because the doctor can do an end run around all the uh, all the paperwork that the government requires, and it also gets back to uh, the good old fashioned basic medicine, where the patient can spend more time with the doctor and less time with uh, dealing with paperwork. I mean, in this day and age, sometimes doctors can only spend maybe ten, fifteen minutes with a patient, and the rest of the time is taken up with paperwork. Uh, also, at hour number one, I again want to thank Alon Confino for joining me, A World Without Jews, the Nazi Imagination, From Persecution to Genocide. I do think it's ironic that this title of his book was the same title that was used in a reissue of Marx's infamous diatribe against the Jews called On the Jewish Question, where Marx actually calls for A World Without Jews. Of course, he didn't call for genocide. He called for the disintegration of Judaism, or, as he said, to make Judaism impossible, because the Jew represented um, something that uh, stood in contradiction to his very bizarre vision of a world, which was a one-world ant colony, where all people would surrender their sovereignty, their individuality, their property, and other aspects that make up our differences and that make us free. Uh, Marx saw those those traits as not only wrong, but that he believed they could be changed. He believed they could be eliminated. And the first line of defense in that in that effort was to eliminate Judaism. You know, it's interesting that uh, I heard someone refer to uh, you know 
conservatism as or, or capitalism as as indoctrinating that somebody who promotes these ideas it was actually a member of my own family who felt that I was indoctrinating my daughter because I'm a cap I believe in capitalism and then I'm a conservative I was thinking about that the fact of the matter is that conservatism is not in I don't indoctrinate anyone because conservatism and capitalism are not a doctrine they don't they're not an ideal and they're not an idea they are and conservatism and capitalism are basically a uh, a way to regulate that which is exist in existence it regulates human nature both positive and negative uh, you know it, it's not changing the world in order to have a doctrine you have to have something that seeks to change human nature, which is what communism is. That's the ideal behind communism, that they're going to change human nature. Conservatism recognizes human nature for what it is, so it's not a doctrine. It simply seeks to regulate human nature in such a way that we can have the maximum amount of individual freedom for ourselves and our families and our destinies, while at the same time, having in place a system by which we have to respect the freedom of our fellow man to also control their destinies. So my freedom stops with my desire if I want to kill somebody. I don't have the freedom to do that. So, you know, we set up governments, systems of force, to regulate freedom in such a way that the art and science of government, if you will, is to do so in a manner that leaves in place the maximum level of, of sovereignty for the individual because that's the origin of sovereignty derived from God, but at the same time puts goal, puts rules in place, creates the goalposts. It's kind of like a football game. You know, you have rules, you have the field, you have the goalposts, and once those things are established, then the two teams are free to go at it. Anyway, we'll be right back. A Truth Talk defender, Chuck Morse is someone you really do want to know. Chuck hosts the radio talk show Chuck Morse Speaks, which is nationally syndicated. He's the author of books and numerous columns that have been published broadly. Chuck received the 2003 Communicator of the Year Award and was named a heavy 100 radio talk host by Talkers Magazine. When Chuck Morse Speaks, people listen. The taking possession of this tiny holy land so that the, the Jew can serve God, not conquer the world. To hear Chuck live, go to irnusaradio.com. To hear Chuck with Deborah Ray on Truth Talk Beyond the Soundbite, visit the on demand page at deborahray.us. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. 
Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law, this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, Proof of God in Heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via His universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. A National Sleep Foundation poll found that 63% of women had trouble sleeping. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby. In my opinion, a major reason for insomnia is the blue card. It's a shopping and loyalty card, and it's free. That's right, free, no charge, nada. With the blue card, you can receive up to 5% cash back on purchases. Most cards only offer 2% at most. No wonder girls can't sleep. With the blue card, you can also get shopping points that you could use for online purchases. So it's cash back and shopping points. Am I keeping you awake? If you refer the blue card to someone else, you could even earn money on their purchases. No, I'm serious. It's true. But it gets better. If you share the blue card with a merchant, you could earn on the purchases of everyone who uses the blue card at their store. There is no way you're going to get any sleep until you get your own free blue card. So call 800-627-6620 and order your free blue card so that you can rest easy again. Call 800-627-6620. Author, journalist, and American patriot. This is Chuck Morse Speaks. Thank you very much. And uh, by the way, speaking of vicious Jew hatred, this is uh, from the uh, a little item from the um, the World Israel News. Iranian daily calls to assassinate Israeli Prime Minister's sons. An Iranian daily is calling for the assassination of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's sons in retaliation from an IDF attack on Hezbollah terrorists and on Iranian general last week. You know, it's interesting that this shows uh, the attitude, frankly, of the radical Islamists, which is that uh, all Jews, especially Israeli Jews, are militants and that they are involved in a war against Islam, putting aside the fact that Israel is in a defensive war against radical Islam. Let's just say for the sake of argument that, that you know, we agree with their side and that they're the defenders and somehow Israel seeks to attack them, which is demented and, and a lie. But let's just say for the sake of argument that, that, that that's the case. Even so, you know, you, you fight the war against people who are engaged in the war, militant, military figures involved in war. You don't go openly and say, we're going to murder somebody's wife or child. You know, I mean, this is, I mean, I suppose this is what we should expect. You know, we know that ISIS, for example, I mean, they just slaughtered 13 boys because they had had the audacity to watch a soccer game on television. They, uh, they just buried a woman alive and chopped her head off because, I don't know, maybe she was seen in public, you know, unaccompanied by a man or who knows. So I suppose this is what we should expect. 
says here, an Iranian daily, but this is a nation, Iran. This isn't some radical group here, allegedly, although they certainly are radicals. An Iranian daily has published a list of targets it believes should be attacked in retaliation for the reported Israeli attack on a convoy carrying Hezbollah terrorists and an Iranian general in the Golan Heights last week. Now, again, this was a military operation. This this convoy of Hezbollah people were imminently planning on attack on Israel, on the Galilee. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law of this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, Proof of God in Heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via His universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much. And um, I'm looking at uh, here this bone-chilling article in World Israel News. Um, so the uh, Iranian newspaper is calling for the murder of, of Benjamin Netanyahu's two sons. The newspaper, Mashriq News, which is affiliated with the country's Islamic Revolution Guard Corps, the IRGC, which, of course, is the government. It's a branch of it. Lists Yair and Avner Netanyahu, the sons of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, as well as Shaul Omert, son of former Prime Minister Ehud Omert, and Gilad and Omri Sharon, sons of the late Prime Minister Ariel Sharon, as targets for a reprisal attack. The piece offers a brief profile on each of the so-called targets, focusing on the relationship between Yair Netanyahu and Sandra Leikinger, a Norwegian girl. I wonder what they have against that. The Daily believes that assassinating these men would probably properly avenge the death of the terror cell, which reportedly was in the advanced stage of planning a series of attacks on Israel and subsequently eliminated in the IDF airstrike. Now, again, I mean, this speaks volumes to the mentality of what we're looking at here. They view any Israeli citizen just by virtue of the fact that they exist, that they have the audacity to live as free men and women in their own country, determining their own destiny, developing their own culture, that they are therefore military targets in this war of aggression, a war that seeks to make Judaism impossible, if you will, 
the only Jews that would be allowed to live in a destroyed Israel would be those who trace their ancestry. This is very racist, actually, back to a certain date because they're the only ones who had been there before, I don't know, whatever it is, 1885, who knows. And that then, once that's determined, after all the other Jews have been slaughtered or have been driven out, then they will have they will accept dimmy status. They will accept third class citizenship, which was the the way of the Islamic world. You know, the Islamic world they they like to talk about their tolerance and the fact that they allowed non Muslims to live in their country, and they will point out that perhaps they were even more tolerant, if you will, than the Christian countries historically. Although I would argue it, but even if one accepts it. That tolerance was predicated on the fact that these populations accepted dimmy status. They accepted what, you know, existed in the United States, for example, before the civil rights movement in, in you know, for, for black people in the South, that they were forced to have special laws, Jim Crow laws, that formally discriminated against them and that treated them as second-class citizens. I mean, that made it difficult for them to vote and to own property. You know, the dhimmi status for non-Muslims in the Islamic world, and even to this day, to the degree that there are any left, um, you know, they, they vary from, I suppose, Islamic state to state, but they involve things like, you know, that, that, that a non-Muslim's uh, testimony is not counted in court if they're accusing a Muslim. So if a Muslim murders your sister and you're not Muslim, you can't testify against that person because you're not Muslim. That, you know, I mean, traditionally we could go back. It involved Jews and Christians and Baha'i and others who were viewed as not mainstream Muslim, including some offshoots of Islam, had to wear special clothes. They had They couldn't ride a horse because... Their heads could not be higher than that of a Muslim. You know, they certainly could be executed if they married a Muslim. Uh, Muslims who, who left the faith could be executed and still are. Uh, they had to pay special taxes every year in order to be allowed to exist for another year as non-Muslims. I mean, this is why, for example, uh, People converted to Islam in places like Serbia and uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina and uh, Albania and parts of the Balkans that were under control of the Ottoman Turks for many centuries because it was so it was difficult to continue as a Christian in these countries. You you couldn't get anywhere, so you would accept Islam out of just sheer convenience. It wasn't because you loved Islam. It was because, you know, you, you, you just uh, had more opportunity. All right, we'll be right back. That is how much more fat you could burn if you were using the 10-2 and a chew weight loss system from ilikehowilook.com. 
Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby. A double-blind controlled clinical study showed that the 10-2-in-a-chew weight loss system burned 589% more fat than exercise and dieting alone. Think how much easier it'll be to lose weight. Go to ilikehowilook.com and read the study for yourself. You swallow a small capsule at 10, another at 2, and eat a tasty collagen protein candy chew anytime you need a snack. And with that, you could burn 589% more fat. Watch the video at ilikehowilook.com to get the full story. Most people notice a curbed appetite and more energy the very first day. It's safe, all natural, there's a money-back guarantee, and they'll even send you free samples. Go to ilikehowilook.com. ilikehowilook.com. Chuck Morse Speaks So I want to thank you all for listening this afternoon. I think you've got a heck of a storm coming here in Boston, I'd say. Reminds me a little bit of the blizzard of 78, and I... You know, it's a problem. I, I'm concerned for people's lives. You know, this is a time, I mean, I mean, I feel like I'm in a better position because, uh, you know, I've got my small family here in Boston and we have, we've stocked up on the necessary food and water and I think we're going to be okay. Uh, but there are other people who aren't. You know, you've got elderly people, people are isolated, people who live in the countryside who might lose power. You've got people who always have heart attacks because they're out shoveling. You got people who get stuck in their car, and the exhaust gets stopped up by by blizzard conditions, and they die of carbon monoxide. So, people are gonna die because of this storm, and I would just urge people to be careful, to try to stay home if they can, to get off the roads, especially after 1 p.m. when the blizzard begins, and uh, to uh, make sure they have enough food and water, and and make sure they can stay warm. Or they have a means to stay warm if they lose power. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just uh, these. this is a dangerous, deadly situation. It's not a joke. So uh, be careful uh, as, you, uh, as we approach this blizzard condition. It's not the first time I've seen it happen in Boston. You know, this is uh, New England after all. Anyway, I want to th- uh, thank you all for listening. And my books, again, are available on Amazon or Amazon Kindle, just put my name in the server, Chuck Morse, Morse like Morse code, and you will see those books come up. You could read a couple of pages for free. They range from two to four bucks a book. You can read the, the reviews and the synopsis. You could even order it and return it if you want. Uh, check it out. Uh, by the way, they're on sale right now. I think they're all 99 cents. So, uh, you know, that sale is going to run for this whole week. So, uh, so check that out, and you can check out my blog site, at at uh, Chuck Moore Speaks. And uh, I want to thank you all for listening this afternoon. I want to thank the USA Radio Networks. I had a chance, uh, as I was going on the air here, to listen a little bit to Steve Dace, who's an excellent host. So check out our whole line of hosts. And have a good afternoon, everyone. I shall return, God willing, tomorrow, 10 a.m. Have a good day, everybody. National Sleep Foundation poll found that 63% of women had trouble sleeping. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby. In my opinion, a major reason for insomnia is the blue card. It's a shopping and loyalty card, and it's free. That's right, free, no charge, nada. 
With the blue card, you can receive up to 5% cash back on purchases. Most cards only offer 2% at most. No wonder girls can't sleep. With the blue card, you can also get shopping points that you could use for online purchases. So it's cash back and shopping points. Am I keeping you awake? If you refer the blue card to someone else, you could even earn money on their purchases. No, I'm serious. It's true. But it gets better. If you share the blue card with a merchant, you could earn on the purchases of everyone who uses the blue card at their store. There is no way you're going to get any sleep until you get your own free blue card. So call 800-627-6620 and order your free blue card so that you can rest easy again. Call 800-627-6620.